0: Welcome. I'm Harmony Slater, your host of the Finding Harmony podcast. Over the past 20 years, I've taught thousands of yoga teachers and students to explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and modern everyday life, using mind-body practices to heal, awaken, and manifest their dreams from the inside out. This podcast is a sanctuary for those feeling overwhelmed by life's challenges. Are you ready to jump in and discover how these challenges aren't actually in the way, but are the way to finding harmony? Let's invite the magic back in. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm so happy you're here today. I'm your host, Harmony. And today we are going down under to the other side of the world to speak to our dear friend and old friend, Dan Fanthorpe. He is an osteopath, and we're talking today about injuries, injuries that he commonly sees because he mostly treats yoga practitioners, starting off in Ashtanga Yoga himself and practicing for many, many years, going on to get further training to become an osteopath. We're going to look at how to maintain your practice over time and practice in a way that's sustainable to avoid some of these injuries. And then also some of the invisible injuries that many of us might have or hold still that haven't quite healed and how to heal some of those more invisible injuries, injuries to the spirit, injuries to the soul, injuries from a community fracturing, injuries from a dysfunctional relationship with a teacher. So we're going deep. We're going beyond the body to the unseen world, that we tap into when we practice Ashtanga Yoga, and I think you're really going to love this episode and this conversation with Dan. And one thing that I really appreciate about Dan is that he is an entrepreneur. You know, he started off teaching Ashtanga Yoga, being one of the first Ashtanga Yoga teachers in his area, went on to get further training, and now has started an entirely new business as an osteopath. And so if you have a call in your heart, if you have a dream of starting your own business or expanding your teaching reach or your teaching business, whether it's in yoga or maybe you're a healer or maybe you're a therapist or a coach, but you would like to get more clients to learn how to build a business from the foundation up that will be successful and that can grow over time, I would really encourage you to jump into this amazing free offer. It's happening next week, February 6th to the 8th. It's three days and it's called the Dream Business Bootcamp with my business mentor, Marie Forleo. So I will drop some links in the show notes, but check out my link on my Instagram profile and also the links here in the podcast and join this free offering. There's so much content there's so much value in this free 3-day dream business boot camp. It's going to blow your socks off. So even if you're just curious about what might be the first steps to creating clarity, creating commitment, confidence to getting the support to simplifying your ideas so they actually work and that you can amplify them over time. This is an amazing boot camp. I honestly can't say enough. The value is off the charts. So be sure to sign up for that if you have any interest at all in becoming a successful entrepreneur and building the business or building your dream, a dream that can support and nourish your heart, your mind, your body, your family that you can grow over time. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Dan. We are here today with Russell Kane.
1: Now we have the real intro with the real music. We have the brand yes, transformation. Yes, we, do. we transformation. do
0: have the new intro and with the new music. We
1: didn't go with the railroad, we went with the Bon Iver. Is that right? Oh. Iver.
0: Follow the river, it's called.
1: <laughs> so if Bon Iver's listening, we're going to he will. <laughs> We will face some liability. He was the king of Scotland, is that right? Or the king of Ireland?
0: I don't remember.
1: Ivor the Boneless?
0: (laughs) That's another one, yeah. Ivor the
1: Boneless. So so I think in that spirit, we've been looking for (laughs) ex-Scottish colonial peoples, very much like Ivor.
0: Who work with bones?
1: No, I think he was just from (laughs) Norway. And then colonized Scotland. Ireland and Scotland, very much like our guest today, Dan Fanthorpe, who colonized <laughs> New Zealand. Good for you, mate.
2: Well, you know, mm. bottom of
0: the earth. Um, yes, thank you. Hello to you too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's our
2: traditional Māori greeting. We always say kia ora. Atamari is a, um, just a, a morning greeting, we'd so oh, say nice. every morning. So. Yeah, beautiful. Bartinge.
1: We have a friend, Bill Brundell, and he used to tell us stories
2: about the Maori. Uh, yeah. Oh, Bill! You look. Bill's a classic guy. I, I, I actually tried to catch up with him when he moved back to NZ.
0: Yeah. That, when you say NZ, is that like the Down Under of the that, Down Under? That's no New Zealand. I know, yeah, but that Z
1: yeah. is a Z. <laughs>
0: but like, what happens? Like when you go Down Under, but you're under the Down Under. It's like
2: well, a double yeah, under. Like, are you,
0: Double down under?
2: I don't know. Like this. Um, well, Aussies will claim that probably at the bottom of the US, but no, we we just add a little bit further away from them, so we must be better. So,
0: <laughs> well, you're definitely more under than the down under. <laughs>
2: you're closer to the South Pole, right? That's why it's colder. It's, yeah. it's colder, and yeah, look, it's pretty cold, especially down in South, like Stewart Island, which is like. My most point. It's pretty frigid down here. Yeah. Meatloaf did a concert once down in Invercargill, and they consider it to be the asshole of the world. Rest in peace, Meatloaf. <laughs> Miss him already. They, yeah, they uh, had meat pies thrown at him for some reason. It's a classic New Zealand. <laughs> well,
1: no, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he's well, a meat, Meatloaf kind of guy, and you want
2: to, you know, share.
0: Share in the the meat pies Yeah,
2: i didn't i didn't have a good trip that's for
0: sure oh yeah. too bad
1: I, that paradise by the dashboard light i dated a girl once just because she liked that song <laughs> you know, that was the only reason i pursued <laughs> her i went out of my way to like to squire this girl because i was like man i love that song so much <laughs> i just want to listen to this song here <laughs> yeah
0: Oh, so, brilliant. you're mm. coming to us today. We have a long history of meeting in Mysore, the Mecca of the Ashtanga yoga world.
1: Is this one of these Ashtanga people? <laughs> yeah. I thought he was just <laughs> like
2: an osteo guy. A no, guy i don't know. on not another one. Talk about <laughs> <injuries>. <laughs> <So> <laughs> talking about no, injuries. Talking about stuff that. You
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that is kind of your expertise because you're also an osteopath as well, right?
2: Yeah, long time yogi, kind of a new time osteo. So <laughs> come from obviously you know, Ashtanga and so forth and now practicing as an osteopath, not so much as a yoga teacher anymore, but still <laughs> dabble. I love, just love to dabble in the practice. I'm a little bit selfish these days. I, I kind of have my practice for myself.
1: Yeah, that's nice though. It says here your mom was like a pranayama expert.
2: Yeah, so she's um like I would describe her as a like eccentric tantric yogini that lives in the hills and Nelson and a fully self sufficient kind of land. You know, goes to India seeking for, for Babaji, and she loves Osho and uh, Sai Baba and um, those mm-hmm. gurus and um. Yeah, I guess she is part of the reason why I started yoga, but she's way more out there than I I would ever be, and she's a pretty committed lady to the practice, yeah. You Mm. described
1: that as your first alarm clock, that her doing pranayama (laughs) (laughs) was how you woke up in the morning. Is that right? Yeah. What is that like as a sui thing?
2: Uh, Look, yeah. So, her, her thing was she, she loved Vahasrika and she loved Kamala Bhatti, but she also loved doing this practice where you're in shoulder stand and you inhale air through your bottom.
0: Yeah. And then
2: what? exhaling air out of your bottom, which produces a rather loud sound.
0: So, no,
2: I don't think you can do that. I don't oh, think you can.
0: Women, women can, for oh. sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Sorry>. i'm horrified <laughs> you should all the things that you've cut out of our
2: podcast <laughs> that i've said and look if you you try having your your mates over for a sleepover and suddenly you wake up in the morning and you hear the sound and your mates are going damn what's that oh, what's oh, that oh, sound what oh, oh, oh. Uh don't worry, it's just my mom <laughs> farting. You know, it's like
0: <laughs> she's just doing her yoga practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just cleansing practice. You're... This is like a a cautionary tale to all children of yogi yoga practitioners.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. Um, anyway, so I was I was dragged to, to Yoga by my Mom twice a week. And back then wow. it was it was um fashionable to wear leotards and all that. Shenanigans, oh, so yeah, pretty cool. um, <laughs> good. I was
0: gonna say old ladies and leotards, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah, I'm um, like, I initially hated it, but I grew to love about it, I think.
0: And what kind of yoga was it? It was like meditation, like,
2: yeah, restorative kind of exactly. Yeah, real, real, real gentle hat, yoga. Yeah,
0: yeah. Did,
1: did you yeah. see that film, A Clockwork Orange? No, oh, yeah. The, Oh, so the no. Stanley Kubrick film, and there's a scene in it where this little old lady in a leotard is attacked by Malcolm McDowell, who's probably a relative of yours, and oh. he uh, yeah, he attacks her with like a giant white phallus and kills her with it. And she's doing all kinds of fancy yogurt yogury stuff. Yeah. In her little yeah. yogury room. And it's like this is from the, you know, seventies, and it's like it's really the classic.
0: Mm, yeah that is a classic (laughs) oh my
1: gosh i'll
2: have to check it out
0: yes yes check it out
1: malcolm mcdowell that's a
2: scottish name isn't it very scottish i think
0: so you started practicing yoga with your mom at a young age and then how did you end up getting into the ashtanga yoga world and scene and culture
2: so ashtanga yoga kind of came to me on my first trip to india actually i had a uh a friend that I met in Goa, and then we kind of traveled up to Varanasi. And i just completed a yoga teacher training with IYTA, which is like International Yoga Teachers Association. It's, it's yeah. a very gentle kind of yoga, focuses a lot more on meditation, Rama philosophy. Um, That's
0: Swami Rama's group, is it?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, and he had just started practicing in london i think not too sure of his teacher but anyway he showed me like half primary series and i just yeah. i remember being just so embarrassed that i couldn't do any of these poses and i wasn't strong although i was just doing a really gentle practice and yeah and i was quite young at the time i was probably about 19 and i, I felt absolutely devastated that i couldn't do this practice so uh, Oh, I think like anybody who wants a challenge, they just go, oh, okay, this is the practice for me and there you go, that was me for the next 20 plus years. Wow. So You were tight, you were like a professional surfer, is that right? Yeah, so I I wouldn't say professional, I would say more free surfing, like a sponsored free surfer. I didn't really get to that stage where I thought it would be part of my career because I just, to be honest, I don't have the tenacity to compete and travel. And usually when you're surfing different spots, you arrive, it's one foot or half a foot surf, it's onshore. Um, and you have to compete in these really high intense competitive aggressive situations. And it just wasn't really in my nature. So,
1: But you were sponsored? Like they were giving you stuff to surf on, that kind of thing?
2: Oh, in yeah. Outfits? yes. Oh yeah, like yeah, chuck me in the warehouse and go, you can have whatever you want, Those kind of things. um That's amazing. I mean, as a kid, it was great. If our son had that
1: happen to him and like some outfit sort of giving him free clothes and free parkour stuff. Oh, he'd be. He would leave home. (laughs) He would would get his own apartment and he'd be (laughs) out the door. He said, no, they're not giving you money, sweetie. They're just giving you clothes. He would say, I don't care. And I'm like he'd be out of here. I, I mean that I w- would be thrilling
2: to get free stuff. Oh yeah, like it's it's like uh, you know any any kid in a chocolate factory, Willy Wonka style. Yeah,
0: for, surf, <laughs> that's for surfers, amazing. yeah,
2: with these boards, I'd... everything. Wow, you used to get yeah. free stuff,
1: didn't you, Harm? You got like free so, like from like, Lululemon. Lululemon
0: for a while.
1: Oh so that's yeah, cool. you were you your ambassador? Were you?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah I was. That's I was an cool, ambassador man. Too. <laughs> Right, I've
1: never made ambassador <laughs> status, guys?
0: You gotta, gotta work harder.
1: You got a, you, you guys are. Hey, yeah. I had a big poster once, but not like a free stuff.
0: Really? In Lululemon?
1: No, I got a. It was a. I got a. Uh, what do you oh, call? you got it? a billboard. I got a billboard in Taiwan. In, Taiwan. in Taiwan. I was big in Taiwan.
2: Oh, really? Oh, wow! Yeah, That's I mother. Better than I, anything I had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I totally I exploited Richard Freeman once. He came to visit, and I I made him do something I'm still embarrassed by. I had him stand by the poster, and I made him point at it, and I took a photo. Sure, he enjoyed it. I was like, I just totally exploited my friendship with Richard. I feel <laughs> fucking terrible about it. But I, I'm sorry. I, I just, I'm still can't wrap my head around why you would give up competitive surfing and free stuff to go fucking do yoga. Like why would you do that? What happened to you?
2: Uh like I I don't know. I, I maybe it's karma. Um maybe it's due to my mom, uh living multiple lives of, of yoga or um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh you know how you, you different personalities sit different locations. Um uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So to me, I think, think the was
1: that location. Kind of what I was trying to get to is that you described a kind of metaphysical um, experience that seemed to change you, and I was trying to get get you to, to dig into that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, oh, so, look, schooling for me was quite difficult. Um, my parents kind of had a sudden breakup when I was kind of 14, 15. So yeah. I kind of said fuck it to school. I'm just going to go surfing for a couple of years. I, I actually lived in a teepee for a couple of years. I strapped into my van and just traveled around um, NZ for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and during that time, I met a like a baba. It was a Kriya yogi. And I got initiated into this meditation technique that basically just blew my mind. It was just like, <laughs> Related to, uh, like, a DMT experience, if you've ever had a DMT experience. Really? Oh, yeah, like, fully, like, out there. What I could kind of always relate to, like, a Shakti Shaktipat or something that yeah. was so influential into, into my practice that I was like, wow, what is this? And uh, that's kind of set that precedent that, uh, for mm-hmm. inquiry. Into um, my inner self and what I believe to be real and not real, and um, you know the whole separation of um, you know duality from non-duality, yeah, consciousness from matter. Um, so I guess that was my kind of spiritual awakening, and that I met that guy when I was seventeen. So wow. yeah, and that was that like kind of the time where I was like into a lot of drugs and alcohol and the destructive nature of any teenager
0: yeah yeah, sure. yeah
2: but they often kind of go hand in hand with
1: you know spiritually emergent sensations and experiences where you like you do start to see that reality is a construct that you're making yourself and mm-hmm. as our friend rolf like to tell us it's a kind of a way to kick the door down so at least you know where the door is if there is a door and that there's a way to walk through it and and then of course you have to Get healthy, and try and clean yourself up so that you can actually have these experiences in a settled way that doesn't lead you down the to the path to schizophrenia.
2: And
1: totally, <laughs>
2: that's the <laughs> right way to put it. <laughs> yeah, you because know, it's like, like schizophrenia is—I don't know—what's the line between normalcy um, and schizophrenia? You know, but is schizophrenia is <laughs> a spiritual awakening or. And you know, the rest of us are just fumbling around in this <laughs> this crazy existence, just trying to do our best. Yeah.
0: Was that what like inspired you to go to India, or what well, inspired yeah. you to leave New Zealand Ex- and go to exactly.
2: India? Exactly. So, like, uh, yeah, I decided to go. Okay, how much can I handle? So that's what why I went to Varanasi to just just mm-hmm. you know sit on a burning gas and actually watch, you know watch life and the different kind of reality around me. So, um, yeah, I sat on the Asigat for a, a couple of good weeks and um, just watched watch life pass in front of me or life yeah. in depth. And yeah. as you know, with India, you have your, your best and worst experiences when you're, especially on your first trip.
0: Yeah,
1: it's but true. I, you said a <laughs> couple weeks, not like a couple hours, but like a couple weeks. yeah can you tell me what that's like like you're you're you got to eat and you have to sleep that's a those are things that are difficult w- in a strange place you know I'm just on the side of a river like that
2: yeah oh, look, i had the best time i was doing my yoga practice in the morning and and sitting and meditating by the burning gats and mm-hmm. um yeah it just it was it was it was a fantastic time but i do remember like when i get, got home to new zealand like i First thing was that I, I did was like bend down and kiss the grass. <laughs> my my home of safety. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, were you sleeping rough on the street? Were you just
1: begging oh, for no. food? Did you have enough money for anything <laughs> like that?
2: Oh <laughs> uh, well, look! At the time, I was sponsored surfing for Jenny Shipley, who was the uh, prime minister at the time. So I was on the dole, and I say I saved up two thousand dollars. So I was staying in like a low class budget hotel by. Oh, right. Not in, just again. not in the street.
1: Oh, no, okay, okay, no yeah. God, no. That would yeah, be too, too much. Yeah, that's a bit too much, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was imagining. Very
0: intense.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Man, he's just no, no, no. sleeping there. Not, not Shantaram style, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what I was imagining. <laughs> exactly.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So then yeah, so you, you-
1: had enough money for an idli
2: in the morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. <that> kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, couple idlis. Mm.
0: Did you ever have a bong lassi there?
2: A Oh, yeah, definitely. Some of that stuff is crazy, crazy strong. Yeah. My first trip to India in the first week,
1: someone offered me a, a normal chai, and I hadn't had caffeine for seven, seven to ten years, maybe maybe about seven years. Oh, wow. And I had this normal just street chai and had it, and I had a full-on psychedelic regression, and I couldn't drive. I was like, I cannot get home this way. I'm totally. I'm. T- I'm having a um, kaleidoscopic vision. Oh my gosh! And I can't speak clearly. And I'm. And from fucking caffeine, I'm totally <laughs> fucked. Maybe right it
0: now. was had a little extra spice yeah. in it.
1: It was the oh, yeah. Gokul chats and fucking vocalism.
0: That actually happened to me, not so intensely, but I did the panchakarma with Dr. Oh, Kumar God. in Mysore yeah. for like ten days or whatever, with all the cleansing and purification, yeah. and your. Only having k- kitchery to eat and nothing else, and and then finished up with that and the whole purgative effect, mm. and oh, then God. yeah, then went and had a chai like the next day, <laughs> oh. and it was it was like a it was full a full on, on like whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah like magical kind of uh, experience. I was like, this is what caffeine does. You no wonder I like it so much. Well, yeah,
2: <laughs> I hear people. Really, like, quite crazy after like Punchy coma. like
0: a little bit, yeah. yeah. Let's go back to the Mysore. So you started practicing Ashtanga and you started seeking out teachers, I think. Yeah. In Australia.
2: Oh, so I was in Christchurch and this was when I got back from India and I landed in Christchurch for a little bit. And my mum was working in an Anga studio at the time and Nelson, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to give Anga a go and see if I like it and see if I wanted to go down that route as well." And so I met Wendy and she was brutal. She was a big lady, uh, had a bung hip. So she was limping around the room yelling at us with a stick. And it was like a real uh, breakdown of the ego. Uh, hey, I'm going to force you to look at yourself by me yelling at you and hitting you with my stick, which as a, as a young kid, I loved because I loved that sense that I was not in control. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just do it for me and, you know. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, but it wasn't until I kind of moved to Australia in 2003 where I met, like, Matt Sweeney and Louisa Sears, and I did a, a nine-month teacher training which is pretty amazing. I was six days a week, um, probably about six to eight hours a day. So it wasn't your average yoga teacher training. And we had an amazing Tundra teacher there, Clive Sheridan, It was fabulous. Mm-hmm. Another Ustanga, uh teacher, Constantine, and a bunch of philosophy teachers. And our Pranayama teacher named Rainbow, it was his mission to basically blow us up. He was. Yeah. He used to come to class high as a kite, absolutely <laughs> off his chops, and we would be doing these crazy pranayama routines, and we'd all walk out just like uh, off, off off half out, half out, yeah, like totally off our heads. yeah, hyper oxygenated, yeah. So it was, <laughs> it was. And but after that, two thousand four, I moved to Sydney, and that's when I started to work with Eileen Hall and. With Mark Roberts um, uh, and a bunch of the other guys, I just got there I think before Peter Sanson left and Matthew Sweeney left. So yeah, yeah, I, I got to work with Eileen, and Eileen told me so much, and she's the person uh, that really set the, the tradition and um, the love of the practice. But yeah, for, for me, definitely, yeah. When
1: I first started going to a yoga studio every day. That's even all the way in Chicago. We heard about Matt Sweeney. We hear about this this wondrous kind in Australia it was practicing seven hours a day, twice a day. You know, you know, and I was like, yeah. this guy. That's what I wanted. I wanted that. I'm like, yeah, I want to be that guy. I want people to fucking talk about me on the other side of the planet. You know.
2: <laughs> well, you know, he's he's got all those posters and it's so famous. Yeah, and I like
1: I've got the fucking book in my in my closet. Oh, so- <laughs> I took his book actually to Mysore with me and then I added a 5th series section to it and I was hand drawing them. I was watching Mark Yao do his practice and I would hand draw additional postures from what I was what I was learning, practicing next to Mark Yao. Wow. And I still got it. I still got the book with the notes in it. Yeah. And you, you got to
2: publish that. I'd love to see that.
1: <laughs> I would that was- totally love to see oh, that. Very- <laughs> It's only, I only got about like a third through fifth before he uh, went insane. <laughs> he
0: uh, quit. <laughs> quit. I,
1: I guess you could see the way yeah. you could say it. No.
0: And another really, thing you
1: said that I wanted to, to pick up on, which is really cool, was your Iyengar sh- teacher, uh, Sergeant Wendy, had a bad hip. And I, I'd i heard this somewhere years ago. Yeah, Iyengar teachers or Iyengar students with a bad hips and
2: ashtanga students with the bad knees. Yeah.
1: Like that's, have you heard about, have you heard that sort of thing before?
2: Oh, you look, definitely. And I guess this is a one big thing that, um, like when you compare the like anger yogis in the 80s compared to the 90s, compared to the 2000s mm-hmm. and, and on, it's like, you know, the way that Trikonasana was taught in the 80s in comparison to the 90s in comparison to the 2000s, Different. So, a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff that's carried on through, like, even our lineage, like squared hips, um, yeah, in those asymmetrical positions, like Trikanasana, Padhupanasana, mm-hmm. uh, completely, um, kind an out of date. You still hear the teachers cue certain things or alignment cues, but the tiny teaching them completely differently these days is it's interesting, yeah, uh-huh. because back in 80s, 90s, Iyengar teachers started to get SIJ problems because they were just keeping the hips really rigid and open. Um, and then, Miss Iyengar or the the Iyengars decided, okay, let's you know tilt the turn the hip a little bit more forward, and you know use your internal rotation of the outer thigh and then lift through the pubis um, through the perineum a little bit more, so you are actually connecting a little bit more through the pelvic floor. Uh, which makes a lot more sense because then that connects into the bundles a little bit better and um, moves the energy up the spine a little bit better. So it's, it's those little things. But if you're open the hips, the desire is to get the hips more open, but mm. that can be really yeah. counter counterintuitive to the posterior chain or to the, the SIJs. SIJs, um, especially if you've got a hypermobility. Okay, if you're a massive, you're a rugby player and yeah, those SIJs those, those, yeah. don't move and I know i will get be slapped because some vires and osseos will go, but the SIJs don't move. Yeah, but,
0: yeah they do. Yes. <laughs> 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 those yeah, people do. have never been pregnant. Exactly. Or
1: never Fucking... <laughs> no, no, they just get frozen by the time you're 20s. Like, yeah, you can unfreeze that fucking thing too. Oh, no. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> move it, and that can hurt like a motherfucker in my SI yeah. when you're <laughs> trying to fucking.
2: I ah.
0: I remember at one point I used to have a lot of movement in my SI joints. Um, even like doing Kapalabhati, I would get like a click, 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 oh, click, wow. and I would feel it in the in the back of my sacrum. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's interesting, it's like over time, I think because I also don't do as extreme things as I used to, <laughs> it feels like a lot more stable. True. But that is one thing that I I think is something that shows up a lot in yoga practitioners. If you're constantly focused on the creating more and more flexibility, especially as you age it can create some problems. And is that what yeah. you've seen as well as an osteopath?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a real knife edge that we deal with every day. You know, the, the concept of load versus capacity is not really understood, I think, in our system. Mm-hmm. And as teachers, what is your capacity based on your, your your load? Which is, you know, obviously a, it's a daily examination and how you look, you know, do I suffer from you know, some slick to finishing pose, or do I decide to do that extra day of third series? Am I just going to push through it mentally just to get there, just to say that I've done it? That's that knife edge that at some point we've got to go, most points things will break at that point um, if they're not intelligent and intuitive was our daily practice. Um, and it's not really usually the, what I see in my practice with ashtanga yogis is it's not big injuries but it's really small injuries that compound upon each other that don't get looked at that end up being these massive things later on in life mm-hmm. that little niggly hip that niggly sij or that hamstring tear that you've never rehabbed or um mm-hmm. the, the big one for me is the psoas, psoas tendon ilio and and tenderness insertion where now you go and put your leg behind your head every single day and it's a little bit niggly but you know you keep compounding it compounding it, compounding it and suddenly you've got that the degenerative hip and um your labrum starts to wear and what what about like a degenerative
1: lumbar thoracic joint or or a degenerative sacral joint like cuz that that I feel like that's something that started to happen for me pretty badly is as I was putting the foot behind my head every day and then I started to be aware that I was getting spasms in the,
2: um, the QLs. Yeah, like, um, um Q- QL, QLs are a, a stabilizer, um, especially if you go from flexion to extension because yeah. quadratus lumborum is like a, right. um, it's say respiratory stabilizer. And it also, um, it, it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, your best friend, um, Mm. And obviously, it has a common attachment with um, the diaphragm through the arcuate ligament. So it's like when you breathe, when you flex forward, it's just you know it's put up, put a, a lot of loads put on it. Um, and then especially, you know how you kind of put your leg behind your head and you just slightly twist. Mm. You know, if you bring your shoulder forward just to try and get that shoulder under,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's why like that. No, but I doesn't doesn't, like no. That. I've had when you said <laughs> respiratory. I wonder if you could talk more about that because yeah, the that's number so of, fascinating. The number of fuck. I was just telling Harmony this right before we got online, is that just about once a week or once every two weeks they would go out, the QLs would go out. I'd go into spasm and I couldn't breathe, yeah. and I would have to kind of somehow figure out a way to get home so I could lie down.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know it's sad that really acute um, muscle spasm that, uh, that when we talk about nonspecific lower back pain is probably the most common I think injury and yeah. whether it's a primary injury or secondary injury meaning like you might have a little muscle strain or sprain meaning a little like microfiber tear but then uh, your muscles around that surrounding area just go into uh, like protect mode like Yeah, I don't want you to vote. It's like putting a cast on you. Yeah, 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 exactly. And like, how do you deal with that? Uh, Do you deal with the muscle spasm first, or you just, you know, you you uh, go to the the whole reduce pain ice protocol? Is I referred to it as a
1: grand mal seizure, and it was (laughs) like I would say to myself, "Oh, I'm having a grand mal." Muscle contraction and and people would struggle to kind of understand what I mean, but like yeah. I can't breathe, I can't move, I can't stand up or lie down. This is what's happening. And in my yoga practice, it was about twice a month. In mm. when I was working on third and second, yeah. I could I could guarantee it would happen twice a month.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, if, if, if if it affects your breathing, you know that you know the muscles. Even it's slightly attached to that respiratory diaphragm, it also can be uh, I think on the pelvic diaphragm too, but it's mainly yeah you if know, the hurts the brain, you know it's it's you've got have pretty acute muscle spasm, yeah, yeah, mm. but it's painful, man. <laughs> yeah, <It's> painful.
1: <laughs> and it led to all sorts of drug abuse. and I wondered if it maybe it stemmed from like the way that I was rounding my lower spine and then maybe creating. Now, I, now I've had it all x-rayed and MRI'd, and I know I'm riddled with osteoarthritis. And I'm wondering if, if the rounding, maybe improperly led to
0: this whole
1: condition, which I now-
0: Well, you also have bone spurs as well, which and, yeah. can create that inflammation or irritation of the muscles, I think, right?
2: Exactly. And I think like coming back to that load versus capacity is which joints do you load? If Mm. we talk about, like, wolf's law, like, bone will develop based on the pressure or load applied to it. Uh, So if you load certain segments, of of course you're going to get extra bone growth as (laughs) you Unfortunately. (laughs) But then, you know, there's always going to be a genetic disposition towards bony growth and spas, but... But then again, if you stick a hundred people on a X-ray machine, fifty people have pain, and fifty people don't have pain. Uh, they're all going to have some form of degeneration.
1: Right. Uh, it's just,
2: That's... I think, uh, a lot of the time, as yogis, we're just so hypersensitive. Like we've got these mm-hmm. fine-tuned machines that are so receptive to, import that um, any slightest degree of pain or. Uh, pain sensitivity or feedback that we're getting is amplifying.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So the the, the 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 paradox
1: here for me <laughs> is that I'm I'm like two or three years into severely cutting back my practice mm-hmm. to almost a non existent state. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm now stretching. Sorry?
0: Gentle stretching.
1: Gentle stretching is what I do. Very gentle stretching and i'm having the least pain i've had since i was a mid-teenager since i was 15 16 that's when the real pain in my body started and that's when i started doing yoga and then i was in pain really massive pain the entire time yeah. off and on every grandma's seizures day. every fucking you know <laughs> every like, couple
0: of weeks you said and
1: every couple of
2: weeks yeah and then now um i feel great mm. yeah there's something to say about having like functional strength and functional mobility yeah um and what works for you like and i'm the same russell like i don't do certain poses now that i know it's not going to contribute to my future my future body so what's the point Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i I love the practice nothing changes with that philosophy and the understanding but that sensibility just comes into mind and Mm -hmm. as an osteopath you know if i teach students now like suddenly I'm, like, analyzing their genetic dis- disposition. How much elastin do you actually have with your type 1, type 2 collagen? Right. Are you are you on the hypermobile spectrum? Because I'm going to work with you entirely different on functional strength versus someone that is coming with, you know, a, a, a stiffer collagen type and then, um, you know, okay, we're going to work on more passive flexibility.
0: Mm-hmm. What's your with?
1: measurement tool for that?
0: Yeah, how can you tell?
2: Oh, well, you, you guys will. It's pretty easy. You just, you one, you look at down dog, see if the hybrid's in their elbows. Two, do they collapse their, their shoulders forward in low plank? Can they hold themselves in low plank? Do they lock their knees back? Yeah. Wow. Those visually. general, mm-hmm. visually it is like so easy to tell whether you're on that mobile spectrum. Um, I thought you were like just taking a syringe into their bones yeah. and pulling it out. <laughs> I, I wish I was doing the mi- we- electron microscope. Wow, <laughs> just we- looking at them. Yeah, it's pretty. Like when you when you pick up, even just pulling your skin. You know, if you if you got yeah. more elastic in the skin, it's going to be a little bit more mobile. But I don't recommend teachers going in to new students pinching their students. Come here! You're give me, giving me your neck. I'm going to pull you. <laughs>
1: I remember I can remember every single person who had a f- who I felt who I knew had a fifth series practice or a fourth series practice in their body' because as soon as I put my hands on them, yeah. there was a sense that I was putting my hands into dough exactly like, yeah, oh yeah. wow, yeah. depth of low vibration, you know, it was just like this is this person can do anything
2: exactly. <laughs> And do you know what is the, the worst thing about hypermobile, hypermobile people is like this is based on just my pure observation is that because the the tissue's more uh their recovery is a lot quicker. So they don't actually get like delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS, as we call it, as much as a right. stiffer kind of people. Mm. So the the more likely to keep pushing through yeah. that. Right. Cycle because they, they, they don't have sense or perception or their sensitivity.
0: Yeah. yeah. Not getting the pain, the pain feedback.
2: Yeah. I could tell that
1: in Mysore, in Gokulam, that there, the, that those four series practitioners were not needing the recovery that I needed. Exactly. And, like, which is why I was taking the drugs that I was taking. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, I have to compete with this <sighs> and I'm not competitive
2: because I, I can't practice every day. The way that they can't exactly and that's I, i'm in your bite russell like i'm yeah, give me drugs just so i can practice again
0: yeah. yeah that's not really that healthy is oh, it for like not, not, is
2: it not, not done not, but just as just as well you know like value it was so ready to am available at the yeah every fucking you street corner you, you don't can need get a, a prescription Valium. for it
1: you don't you <laughs> can get oh the amazing drugs you can get just at the Less street the corner. <laughs> oh my god!
0: It's, it's interesting. It. I I'd love to talk to you too a little bit about that um, so as uh, tear slash issue because it's interesting. I I had a student once who was quite hyper mobile in her joints, and she ended up tearing her labrium. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just by like Labor. like popping her. Hip, mm. You know like how you mm. can do that kind of pop up yeah. sometimes it happens in trichiazina by accident yep yeah, 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 yeah. and and it's quite something to recover from but even for myself, I've had this hip thing for so long and I went to an osteopathic doctor to get it looked at because whenever I'm inflamed it flares up so much and it's like a terrible aching and in my unprofessional opinion, I think it's the <laughs> <so at> that's
2: <laughs> I love it. Yeah.
0: But they have, I mean, the hip doctor, because there's flexibility there, yeah, yeah. they just look at me and they're like, yeah, you don't have a problem. And I'm like, no, but it, it's actually like quite irritating. Like it's, yeah, it's,
2: it's, it's a it's problem. Like, oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge problem. But, uh, and they're
0: it, like, but look at your range of motion. And I'm like, I know, exactly.
2: but still. Yeah, no, 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 no. Look. T- tendons, t- tendinopathies, tendinitis, tendinosis, tendinopathies are just mm-hmm. the hardest things to rehab right. because the primary management is to unload them, and yeah. if you don't unload them, then they're, they're just going to be angry all the time. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, that's the thing. If I don't practice, if I don't do intense practice, like leg behind the head, yeah. it it's fine. But as soon as I start trying to put the leg behind the head again, it yeah screams at me yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> and I'm like oh man and it doesn't do it in the posture it does it like after oh yeah
2: right yeah you're walking around you're going oh I think so you're right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely
2: I know, I know <laughs> I'm, 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 you know it all yeah I'll rehabbing mine as well
0: yeah yeah it's yeah, taken
2: it's, about it's, th- two years I think to rehab my, my cell standing
0: yeah so what would you do like what would you how would you help someone who wants to kind of rehab their psoas tendon
2: they <laughs> are not going to like this <laughs> but um look they just anything that has pull or effect on the size is you just want to kind of restrict and the first key is bring down inflammation information has a like a life cycle around two to three weeks because obviously information is the pain generator it's the thing that tells you that you're in pain or something's wrong and not to move it. If you listen to that and rest, the next thing is we've got to reload it. So we've got to apply pressure to different parts of the tendon or well, the healthy part of the tendon to to kind of support the bad part. Once that kind of is is in play, it's supporting the bad part of the tendon, then we can start to reload it through sport specific exercise. Which means functional strength and conditioning, and supporting of like muscles that support that soleus, like uh, like your core through your glutes. And if there is any imbalance in the the hip, pelvic, lower back, that we're working on those muscles just to create an environment of love and support for the solace, Yeah, yeah. So yeah,
0: there's a lot I to mean, it. And yeah, and I I do have an impact imbalanced pelvis and scoliosis and like there's all kinds of things going on in there that are creating this chronic condition that like was very not noticeable at the beginning and there was things i could do like put pressure on the tfl that would help to kind of ease that sensation but then after a while it was just kind of chronic nagging pain
2: yeah yeah it's and it's that chronic nagging pain is usually that indicator of that you keep aggravating it yeah, I don't mean to brag, <laughs> but uh, I may
1: have the worst hamstring injury that anyone's ever had. Have you? Please tell. Do you want to hear about it? Um, yeah. Do you remember who's the lady in in Houston who is the physio? Rachel Nyström. Oh, she's awesome. So she's <laughs> like you. She has this extraordinary lens that she can she can look around and just see things. And um she was on the phone with you and she said, "Oh yeah, Russell's got that hamstring tear."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I hadn't talked to her anything at all about it and she, and and, she, and you said, "What is it?" "Oh yeah, yeah, his his the veins are bulging up in his calf." <laughs> the hamstring. The ham and you can see that that, he, that that only happens when you've lost the insertion of your hamstring in your what, pelvis.
0: One of the hamstrings.
1: One of the wow. hamstrings. I, yeah. Okay. And it was like, "Wow, that's fucking (laughs) good
0: she just observed it and remembered just observed
1: it didn't talk to me about it told you about it on the phone (laughs) and i was like man i had to really think about some life decisions about whether or not i wanted to study to you know get a phd in physio or osteopathy because like that's amazing to be able to see that and then really like profoundly know your craft that's what i was
2: really stunned by yeah, it's, it's torture, like, walking around in public, just analyzing everybody's gait. I tell you, you say, oh, yeah. You know, you almost need a business card every time you walk past somebody. I could I could probably fix that medial ligament. I could probably fix that <laughs> hip joint. Come on, you don't need to be in that much pain, buddy. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, it's even worse. It's, and this is, like, the mental torture in yoga, going to a yoga class and just looking around, not... Yeah, I look I mean, around the room, but I do, um, <laughs> and just just watching people's practice and going, "Oh man, oh man!" Yeah, wow. You just want to say something, but it's just not obviously the place. And then they come to see it and <laughs> in the practice, and you go, yes, "Okay." In
0: a couple months, they're there. knocking on your door, exactly. <laughs>
2: yeah. But this is oh, this is my thing, though. It's like my arts stuff's such an amazing opportunity for. Um, mm-hmm for teachers and students to work through their injuries, but it's just like, there's just no, that's for, um, well, not that I kind of know, for for us to kind of learn how we could deal with that, like mm-hmm. for, for teachers to actually deal with these injuries. Real basic yeah. things like understanding what inflammation is and what's part of inflammation cycle you're trapped in and what you need to do to, right. to, to unload things. Because we could have happy practices all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and I think you're right. The Mysore style or the Mysore method is is very unique because each student can work at their own pace, at their own timing. You don't have to keep up with a group. It's you know, it's a set sequence, yes, but depending on the teacher, it can be quite flexible. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So it can really be a place of rehabilitation and healing.
1: Instead yeah. of competitive-driven, sadomasochists. Yeah, driven, uh, oh, uh,
0: yeah I mean, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be that kind of rigid, achieve, achieve, achieve kind of approach. It can be quite therapeutic in a, in nature.
2: I yeah, I would so love to be able to send like a cancer patient to a muscle style just to do some live or bolster and breathe. I feel like there's a huge missed opportunity because. Like primary healthcare practitioners are sending patients to yoga. They're just randomly saying, Hey, go to yoga. Yeah. I think you should try yoga without. they don't see which one. No, they don't say which one. They don't know. You know, they could be throwing them into a bikram class or a, you know, hop, inferno yeah. or. A hot yoga class.
0: It is interesting. It is sort of a panacea that often gets thrown out there like, oh, you should go do some yoga. Yeah. But again, like you've just brought up, depending on the style, it might not actually be therapeutic for what the person's working through.
2: No. And if, if they are working through like that example of a hamstring tear or a like most yoga teachers look at cross-eyed. Well, they'll just say the standard thing, which is I want you to listen to your body and don't push past your limitations, which is like the standard thing that I hear all the time, which is kind of, to me, just an excuse of going, I don't know what the and pork you about, so I'm just gonna let yep. you like decide what you do and don't do. And we have to acknowledge
1: that we don't know what the fuck we're talking about, if we're ever gonna learn anything.
2: Exactly, yeah, yeah. totally. But look, if, if we could, and this is my mission at the moment: is just to try and have a platform where yoga teachers can start to understand the real basics, and yoga students can have the right understanding of how to triage themselves. Like mm-hmm. you know, rather than going on the doctor Google or the the mm-hmm. social media and getting all of these yeah. random comments of "I've got a pain in my back, what do I do?" Has anybody had any experience with that? I'm
0: like, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. A thousand people have had back oh. issues. I think yeah. it's, you know, what I've got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds like what uh, I yeah. had in 1973.
0: If, <clears> yeah, so what would be your advice? Like, if someone has pain that they suspect might be an injury, and, you know, this was also a thing in MICER, because you could get MRIs for very low cost. So yeah. then, like, everyone's yeah. going to get an MRI. <laughs> Well, Which isn't necessarily that helpful either, right? So, what would you recommend?
2: <laughs> like, if, if someone's got an injury and it's like,
0: well,
2: like, what is an injury to start with? And, you know, you got to realize, like, for the physical injury, you know, it's something that takes you away from your state of balance or the thing that you no longer do anymore. And that is whether it's just an ache or a pain, that's acute, subacute, or chronic um if it's acute you know the things what you want to do is just rest uh if you rest for two weeks you can generally unless it's like a broken bone or like uh something really like where you can cannot walk and you're really concerned and yeah go get a uh a scan but usually if it's a say like something that's torn it usually takes a little while for the scar tissue to kind of build up and then it comes up on x-ray unless you might be able to tell due to bruising or inflammation what type of like tear it could be if it was a muscle or, or a ligament tendon but usually it's saying you've got to let the inflammation kind of settle for a little bit before you can really understand which tissue type has been torn or healed or injured right Yes, it's like subacute or chronic, like, say, your hip tendon or your, your lower back pain that's just not going away. But there's a whole other set of uh, protocols that you can kind of do, and that's like, go and like, obviously, go and see somebody that physio, osteo, baro. Um Obviously, your GP is, can be your first port of call if you're in so much pain. But I know a lot of people don't trust the medical system, and I – they're not utilizing the medical system, maybe because they haven't found the right GP or they don't mm-hmm. have a local GP in the area that understands yoga.
0: I had heard once like a yoga student bringing in like the whole, you know, primary and second sequence, you know, to their doctor or yeah. their specialist that they were working with. And and they're like, so can I do like these? <laughs> like pointing <laughs> out the posters.
1: Yeah, no, don't do that.
0: Doctor's
2: like, I don't know, can you? Yeah, exactly. Like totally. Totally, totally. Uh, Exactly. No, (laughs) don't go to, unless you know your your practitioner knows knows loads of stung you, I go, they're just going to look at you and go, what, are you a bloody idiot? Like, why -hmm. are you doing that to your body? Some form of movement therapist is going to be way (laughs) better to go to uh, Mm -hmm. as -hmm. your first, first port of call and preferably someone that actually knows a little bit about yoga uh, and different articulations and possible mechanisms of injury but also you know when This is what i i wanted to ask you guys actually you know, your thoughts on adjustments and what is your perception of putting somebody into a position is it safe is it it's not
0: safe
2: <laughs> but
1: what i stress to people who want to adjust and, I, and Harmony, I th- I think, agree, is that you, you there has to be consent. And there's consent even with even nonverbal consent, where someone's consented to be adjusted, and then you sit down and adjust them, and then you actually have to really, really listen to what their body is telling you. And there has to be consent nonverbally, because their mind may be telling them, like, I want to be adjusted as hard as i fucking can their body is telling you something different and so i feel like listening to vibration and listening to that you know is is this a safe situation or not because if they are wide open and hypermobile then that's incredibly dangerous and if they're stiff that can often be really you know much safer because you know where the limit is Mm.
0: but you can also i mean you can also push past those limits and a bit. And injure people, too, even when they are stiff, through physical adjustments. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I love physical adjustments when they're done well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so personally, I'm like, I love them and I find them so helpful and beneficial, although I almost never practice with someone who's actually adjusting anymore.
2: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: But I remember what yeah. it was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Yeah, I think there's something too. I mean, I also really believe in the healing properties of touch and that touch can be incredibly healing on multiple levels and Mm -hmm. that as humans, we're meant to be touched. And I think that that, I mean, as far as adjustments go, I think that needs to be the underlying emphasis in the adjustments is really about like helping someone relax into whatever place their body wants to be so that they can heal. Because the healing doesn't happen when you're pushing or striving or, like, fighting or holding on to tension, right? Healing happens when your nervous system can move into that place where it feels safe and relaxed. And so for me, that's always how I like to approach adjusting students. And it's also how I like to be adjusted when there's someone in the room who I feel very safe and comfortable with, and they put their hands on my body, and I feel like, oh, like a massage. Right? You're yeah. just like, oh, thank God, this person's touching me.
1: But also, thank God, this person's hands are knowledgeable. Yeah, you can feel. That.
0: You can feel that. So I think there's, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. maybe there's some mistakes that get made on the way to having that kind of intelligence in your hands. Or oh,
2: yeah, you got to <laughs> learn. That, <laughs> like, like those soul adjustments are beautiful like what you're talking mm-hmm. about whereas those bigger adjustments are like, we all know the bigger adjustments and with the key poses but what um but actually with what you just said harmony i really love because obviously if we look at say like mental spiritual injuries physical touches so so important and
0: so important
2: you know because as as teachers we're Psychologists work every everything, everybody, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. when we look at, say, mental injuries, and I'd love to get your thoughts on mental, spiritual injuries, especially within our system, um, mm-hmm. and how you guys deal with them, and whether you've seen them like increase since, you know, uh, with the whole thing with Guruji and and uh, the Me Too movement and. Like I lost a lot of trust in the system. And that's one of the reasons why I became an osteopath. It's suddenly the, the whole theory, of philosophy, didn't make sense anymore. Really? And I found a huge mental struggle to to practice. And suddenly, my teacher. So was, did we. <laughs> we also <laughs> lost faith I, in practice. I think
0: we also had a, a mental, emotional, spiritual injury as well. <laughs> yeah, we've been healing lapse. <laughs> Exactly. And I just, yeah.
2: don't, I just don't think we've really, you know, as a system talked or, you know, even yeah. touched upon it in many ways. Um, we- I know you've touched upon it in the podcast, but, um, you know, as a spiritual injury, imagine how many people out there are just like going, oh, I, I have just lost a huge part of
1: myself. There is a mental construct of, of Guruji as a figure that acted as a kind of um, personal bhakti deva in in your mind, right? And you're like, I'm practicing for this guy. And then that gets clubbed. And you no longer have this mental construct available. And you sit there at the top of your mat like, like I don't have any fucking reason to do this anymore. Like, it's gone. And people say, oh, well, no, charots, my teacher's like, yeah, 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 great. I was not for me, though. And, and so I don't have a reason to practice. I got to figure out a, a reason why I'm doing this. Now. What is it that I'm doing this for? Because I used to be for that guy. But I, That's th-
0: I think even deeper than that. There's grief. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's grief, but there's also it's not just the person It's everything that emanated from that person, which is the entire system, Mm. right? And so it's not just the person. If it was just the person, then you could, yeah, maybe just transfer it to another person. But if your identity, your heart, your mind, your soul is connected to this practice and the teachings that this person was emanating and the philosophy, and the culture, and the community, and then that all kind of crumbles into dust, then you're kind of left at that spiritual ground zero, which is back to the fundamental question of who am I?
2: Exactly. Maybe that's all our lesson and our practice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and and I think- To to
2: look at that and and
0: Mm -hmm.
2: make those choices. Maybe that's why we're here.
0: Totally, totally. I love that you bring this up because I think it's so deep and so profound. And in one way, it's really good because at some point in your life, I think no matter who you're putting up on that pedestal or what you're putting up on that pedestal, you're going to end up at that ground zero. You know, maybe it's on your deathbed. Yeah. (laughs) But hopefully it (laughs) happens a little sooner than that because, because then you have to start to excavate the human experience and like what is real and what matters and what is true and who am I you know what am I here to do on this planet you start to ask these really important questions that aren't just what you've been spoon-fed from a system or from a guru or from a culture or community and and then you get to make some choices within that too right
2: yeah definitely yeah definitely um tearing off the band-aid (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah. at the same time you know I'm, I'm sitting here in half lotus i'm using my bandas i'm i'm using my my Udiana bandha to make sure i'm breathing properly i'm trying to stay self-regulated yeah and that's a completely different experience than say you know my cousins are having if they happen to listen to this podcast they're not sitting and breathing practicing yoga the same at all or either yeah. the same way just to say it had a real effect on us. It, 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 yeah. it was an intervention into our cultural habits of just sitting in a chair, easy chair, easy, you know, and and not using our banda's, not sitting properly, you know, it had a real positive effect on us.
0: Totally, totally. And that's, I think that's like when you hit that sort of ground zero, that obstacle, that spiritual injury. Mm -hmm. then then you're doing that you're looking at like what remains Mm -hmm. and you're asking that question like like who am I and and what's with me still and yeah it is like all of these ways that this intense practice has changed your nervous system has changed the way that you see bodies has changed the way that you approach life parenthood other human beings Mm -hmm. right and then you get to build a new foundation or, or a new a new sort of experience of life
1: what's here in the rubble that we can make use of
0: yeah but that i think that process it can take a long time like any injury of healing right it's not something that you get to just recover from the next day and i don't know if it's particularly our generation that feels this internal struggle so much Mm -hmm. maybe because we were in between teachers in a way right we kind of had patabi joyce as our teacher Mm -hmm. and we kind of had sharad as our teacher and if you were sort of not someone who who fully like went just like full on into like, oh, yeah. out with the old, in with the new, well, <laughs> right? Yeah. If you're kind yeah. of still stuck in that space, I think it affected us in a really real way because For also sure. we had a lot of input from senior teachers yeah. Yeah. in the yeah. community. So we were really indoctrinated from these senior teachers into this system of Yeah. Yoga. And and happily so. I was happily inducted. Yeah, we we absorbed it all like little sponges.
2: Give me me more rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah, blindly, yeah, definitely. (laughs) The way that I look at my innocence back then, I'm just like, what were you doing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I love, I absolutely love the system. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right, you know, that the more you love it, the more you just totally give all your self over to that system yeah the more it bloody hurts when you when it's gone yeah but i'm just you know what's the new kind of generation coming through i wonder you know i just wouldn't like it to happen to them
0: but it can happen in all kinds of ways too right i mean yeah. i yeah. i don't know i think i think it's in a way it's helpful it's a helpful injury to recover from and to start the healing process from because you get to explore new ways of being in the world
2: exactly yeah. and i think the other thing is with senior teachers now who may have gone through that teaching their students gotta be a lot different and when it comes down to like that understanding of nurturing the mental aspect the spiritual aspect. Uh, the feminine or the male aspect has got to be a lot more insured to, to the students' needs. That's something that is um, that everybody needs, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that it kind of coincided as well with this sort of, I guess, demolishing of hierarchy in general, right, mm-hmm. where yeah. like universally the world is is changing and people.
1: Changing and paradoxically, also, so many more structures in the world are going towards fascism. Yeah,
0: because (laughs) it's
1: it's, we're going in different directions
0: here. I think, (laughs) well, there's, I mean, when anything's uncertain, people people look for certainty, and so that's why there's that tendency, right? To why we
1: went to uh, a cult in the first place because our (laughs) our childhoods were uh, a disaster,
0: yeah. But then I think when you're, when you're, I mean, when that comes down, when you've had that experience of that deep disappointment, then you're less likely, I hope, maybe, <laughs> to just like fully reinvest in another kind of hierarchy. Uh, yeah, definitely. Is.
2: Yeah. You, you are. Yeah, you're definitely. But also you're, I think, I'll add that saying, experience builds knowledge, knowledge builds wisdom. And it's through that wisdom that you carry on. But hopefully it's wisdom on the positive side rather than the negative side.
0: Yeah. But then you can also, I mean, share, which is like what you're doing too, right? Like share this learning. And I think that we're seeing that more in the community, right? Like there's a very different way that I would say the majority of teachers are teaching now than when you were coming up in the system or when we were coming up in the system, which was quite... Strict and kind of oh, anyway. militant,
2: <laughs> insane.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I I had fantasized about joining the army. A lot of the men in my family had, and it was something I was really drawn to was discipline and structure. Mm-hmm. Given the chaos that was around, and yoga was was perfect. It was like, oh, this this ticks every box that I'm looking for. As far as discipline and structure, this is the thing for me. I'm going to put my flag here, and that'll be great. And now I'm a, an integrated and solid human being. And then it gets blown up, which is perfect. That's really helpful to actually become an integrated human being is to realize that identifying your sense of self-confidence and worth into an exterior structure or personality is not actually going to fix and heal your childhood wounds.
2: Exactly. Mic drop. Mic. That,
0: that is That's a micro. Yeah, you got to go in to do late yeah. the work, right? Oh, well,
1: I, I don't want to end the podcast on that. I wanted to talk about my hamstring injury. <laughs> I love telling that story.
0: No, we oh, don't have time. We don't Sorry. Have
1: time. Oh man, uh, I, I did wanna, a number on oh. myself. Full evulsion, <laughs> mate. Full evulsion. Yeah. Yeah. Ripped right her head off. I'd seen it on a magazine cover, on a Yoga Journal magazine cover, and I was like, I want to do that. And I and I did it. Oh, um, they're the worst. Did they have to stitch it back on? I would have, if I had the fucking money.
0: <laughs> he just left it. Still still there, like hanging a, out in his calf.
1: Oh, God. Oh, no, <laughs> really? See, yeah, full version, it's... I was I was twenty one. I'm forty eight.
0: But I think there's four hamstring tendons, right? So it's just one of them.
1: You got others too. You can can support. I I was in Hanumanasana, and I went forward to touch my face to my knee. I was in full splits, and I did it on the one leg. It was like, ooh, I'm feeling flexible today. I'm going to do it on the other one. And I felt the femur come out of the socket. And I felt like old cobwebs. And then, simultaneous to that, my roommate heard a shotgun blast in the other yeah. room. And that was my hamstring exploding. <laughs> and then I laid down because, like, oh, I've fucked myself. <laughs> yeah. I've broken my leg or something. There shouldn't, these things shouldn't have happened. There's like some terrible sound. Yeah. And yeah, so twenty eight years later, if I sit in a chair, uh, I'll feel
2: it. But oh man, that sucks. But do you know which one it was? Was it one of the two media ones, or was it one of the? the I the can't do a, uh just the just outside Describe
1: one. it. I can't do a forward split, but I
2: can do a side split easy. Ah, yeah. So it's probably the, the outside one. This, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the outside. Insane. That's insane.
0: He obviously doesn't need it. Oh
2: my gosh! And That's what a, God
0: um, gives us for.
2: <laughs> well, there's three three hammies but one's got two three. two heads.
0: Yeah, quite two heads. Four. Okay.
2: Yeah, I had a, a patient the other day, and she got adjusted, and it must have been Richie Richie C, and that the the contact of the bind was enough to actually snap one of our uh carpi muscles oh, off uh, the bone like a oh. thirty five millimeter arm um, separation. Oh
0: my god. Really? Yeah. Which I was in a C?
2: Yeah, just by you know, how the, the shoulder comes into it. Yeah. just like oh, oh, Yeah.
0: So what did you do with your patient that came in with the tendon?
2: Uh well it's it's obviously it's the same with Russell and like, Land there's nothing much you can kind of do. Um <laughs> she just can't do I guess down dog. I'll wait there. i not on her wrist anymore. Um, do you do you think I should get it stapled? Like right now? Oh, I should go try and get it stapled? It's no, so it's old. it's too late. It's too late.
0: No, you, no, we can fix it. It's atrophied. It's how oh, Dan and fix it. Dan can fix it. <laughs> can fix
2: it. <laughs> well you could you could go see your sir- surgeon and see what they say, <laughs> but they, they might be able to uh, attach it somehow these days. But it'd be pretty Your body's probably well adapted by now. Maladapted. Maladapted. Now that it's, I guess, basically, if it's ruptured, it doesn't hurt, right? So. No. No, it's fine. It's it's only when it's slightly attached that it'll it'll, it'll hurt. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Yeah. Oh. So I just. uh, Just
0: keep going.
1: I just keep going. I try not to sit in chairs. (laughs) So I don't sit in chairs (laughs) anymore. Fuck chairs. Also, like. Like. A car, a car chair is also a chair, by the way. Yeah. So I have to sit in half lotus while I'm driving, which is not safe.
0: (laughs) No, not safe.
2: Wow! Like, have you brought a specific car based on like (laughs) like to sit? Oh, is it a half lotus or lotus car? (laughs) That'd be cool. That that, that could be. That could be a great market hall kind of. Well, Well, (laughs) thing for yogi is like the
1: lotus. Thank God, my left. Just. Just thank God it's my left leg and not my right, because I would not be able to drive for long distances if it was my right leg, because I wouldn't be able to push
2: the pedals. But what about cruise control? You get those <laughs> Oh, laptops. I use cruise control, yeah, for sure. It- I will admit, I do do cruise control on long trips in Australia and sit in Lotus. Yeah. Yeah. That's not safe. That's not it's safe whatsoever, but
1: it's, okay. it's comfortable. Okay. Yeah, more comfortable. <laughs> Just right. a rare thing for Anglo-Saxon people to say. It's true. You know, that is a rare thing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: well, oh, that's gosh. what
1: yoga did to our culture. It's like there's white people walking around comfortable sitting in Lotus. It's true. It's weird. Yeah. That's yeah, a weird yeah. one. It's
0: amazing. Yeah. <laughs> funny thing. Well, tell everyone where they can find you and come get all of their...
2: Yeah, Body, sure.
0: mind, spiritual needs oh, heal. You can
2: fix this, mate. <laughs> oh, look. Hey, well, I, I do want to say if, if anybody does have an injury they're working through, they don't know where to go. Even if they don't just want to like, contemplate it, they just want to talk through it, just give us a shout-out email. You can reach me through our website, osteofix.com.au or just through my email, dan.fansel at gmail.com. Well, heavy up on my social media, Facebook, Instagram, happy to kind of talk. Also, I'm going to be doing some research in the next few years based on, you mm-hmm. know, what, you know, what does, does our system need? What education, what educational platforms do you guys want? Would it be helpful for you to have a, a course on inflammation or students yes. use themselves or, uh, you know, simple triaging? Like, what Questions do you ask a student enters your door? But that's a, it's a manual then, that you could use as exactly. a master teacher.
1: I got Dan's book. One second, I'm going to come oh, back oh, oh, and oh. read that. What do I do in a triage situation for a hamstring explosion in my room? Exactly. <laughs>
2: so oh, that's, that's amazing. That's what I'm working on at the moment, and hopefully, I want to get it my sore improve That's my yeah. main goal. It's a long shot, nice. I know.
1: But, We're the ones to approve it, mate. You don't need anyone else yeah. but, you know, your
2: friends and colleagues. Exactly. But, totally. you know, whatever I can do for the Ashtanga system and um, bringing it up is yeah. uh, furthering the, the longevity. And especially yeah. for me, actually, primary health care professionals actually understand and respect our system. They know and can trust that. They can send somebody to a Ashtanga, minus teacher, and know that the teacher is going to be receptive to their needs. I guess that's yeah. the, the yeah. one that one thing that I aim in this lifetime. Just, just get Eileen <laughs> to <laughs> sign off on it's fine.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Peter, yeah. thank you it was so that was much. Awesome.
2: Fun, yeah, to connect. great with to talk, you. and yeah, great to see you again. And um, yeah. hopefully, we'll see you again soon. If you're an Aussie, come this way. Love yeah. to see yeah. you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> come to New Zealand and I'll show you some dairy farms and sheep.
0: Do you feel stuck in a cycle of working 24 7 without seeing real results? Do you wish someone would just come in and tell you, do this first, do this second, and you're going to have amazing results? Did you know that seven out of 10 small businesses fail? That is not your future. It is 100% possible to have the freedom and the health and the time for yourself and your family and make the money that you want to make that's going to give you freedom, stability, flexibility, and experience all the goodness your heart is craving. You can study and learn from Marie Forleo in this three-day dream business boot camp. She is an entrepreneur that Built a multi million dollar empire from the ground up, starting with nothing, no investors, just herself. And she's here to give you the strategies and the roadmap to bring your passion, your dreams, your business to life. You don't need to be everywhere all the time. You don't need to be doing funny dances on social media. You need to just know how to create real connection with your clients with your followers, with the people who need you the most. And this Dream Business boot camp is going to help you figure out how to do that. So if you have at all an interest, a dream in your heart that you would like to bring into the world, even if you're not sure what your business might be, even if it's just an inclination of, I have this idea and I'd like some support in manifesting it. I'd like to know some steps to help me start moving the dial forward to get there be sure you join this free offering it's awesome it's incredible it's three days the dream business boot camp with marie forleo my personal business mentor she's so much fun these it's such a fun three days with her and i hope that you join it's amazing so jump in today find the links in the show notes or on my instagram profile harmony slater Official. And I look forward to seeing you there. That's it. We've concluded another episode of the Finding Harmony podcast. I just want to thank you so much for doing the work that changes the world, starting with yourself. It truly does make a huge difference. Please make sure you have your automatic downloads turned on wherever you listen, so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I have so much more magic. I can't wait to share with you. Lastly, if you're on Instagram, I love connecting and hearing from you. So come on over and say hello at Finding Harmony Podcast. And you can also come say hello to me personally at Harmony Slater Official. Thank you again for being here. I cannot wait to share more with you in our next episode.